Bycliffe, Esquire. Nick untied the tape and opened the binder. The front page was entitled Instructions to Counsel and contained a single paragraph. Mr. Riley maintains that the witnesses, his former tenants, have fabricated a case against him following their eviction for rent arrears. No doubt counsel will be able to advise the client upon the complexion of the evidence. Nick turned the page and skimmed the type witness statements. Three young women had said Riley was a pimp. Scattered here and there was another name, the Pyman. The last deposition was that of David George Bradshaw, the manager of a homeless people's night shelter to whom it seemed the girls had turned for help. The final page was the defendant's police interview. There was only one reply. I'm clean. Something in Nick's concentration failed, and he tied up the brief. It was difficult, this, doing what she had done in the same way. He picked up the cutting. It was taken from a South London daily newspaper. The paper was dirty and the ink smudged, a coroner's court had returned a verdict of accidental death regarding John Bradshaw, 17, whose body had been recovered from the Thames. The report quoted the anger and grief of his father George, evidently the witness in the earlier trial, even though he went by his middle name. Nick cross-checked the date of the inquest with that of the trial. An interval of five years had elapsed. Nick turned to the envelope. It was addressed to both his mother and Anselm Duffy. The letter inside was from Emily Bradshaw, the mother of John and the wife of George. It condemned Riley's defenders and blamed them for the destruction of her family. Again, Nick checked the date, and then he quickly put everything back in the red case. After a moment's calm he penciled a chronology to make clear the sequence of events. End of trial. Death of J. Bradshaw, as per cutting, five years after the trial. Letter from Mrs. Bradshaw, eight years after trial. Opening of account with B.J.M., ten years after trial. Nick wheeled the aluminium box back to Mrs. Tippins. Her look of permanent curiosity prompted him to remark, Just some old papers. It's funny what people hang on to, isn't it? Yes. She opened a desk register for his signature, and then changed her mind. Oh, probate's on the way. Go on, take them. The monk won't be coming, will he? I mean, he's all but locked up, I shouldn't wonder. On the train back to London, Nick gazed at the evening fields. His mind focused on a small puzzle. How did Elizabeth obtain a cutting from a local newspaper far from where she lived and worked? She was a woman of meticulously clean habits, and yet the paper was dirty and ragged. The only sensible conclusion was that someone had given it to her, and the most likely candidate 
was either Mr. or Mrs. Bradshaw. It was unlikely to have been the latter, because the cutting didn't fit the envelope, and in any event the letter itself was in pristine condition. So that left David George Bradshaw. But how could Elizabeth have met him? She had been defence counsel, representing Riley. They'd been on opposing sides. How could they meet without one or the other, in effect, crossing over? And given that Elizabeth was the one with the suitcase, she was the likely traveller, so to speak. That being so, there was a further curiosity. Why would Mr. Bradshaw give such a cutting to Elizabeth? Not only did that imply a binding of his mother to the tragic event...